Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program on 101.9 Chai FM. My guest today is Devorah Kerr, and we are on Zoom to Israel. And I would like to just start by dedicating this program to a very beloved friend and colleague of mine, Daphne Worrell, who passed away in Neisner, the age of 95, peacefully. Go well, my friend. Hello, Devorah. Welcome. The last time we were together was in November last year, you know. So if anyone wants yes. to pick up our podcast, <laughs> please just go on to Finding Human, Sue Jackson, and you'll find it there or under um, YouTube. How are you, Devorah? So good to be here, Sue. Nice to see you again. It's nice to see you too. And this time I'm in studios. We won't have all that noise that we had last year when my inverter kept cutting out on us. Now, Devorah is a professional logotherapist, a somatic experiencing practitioner. She'll tell us about that, a reflexologist and a bereavement counselor. And she also, she runs a wellness program in Israel online and face to face. She's also the publisher of a very good book, which is now available in South Africa called Man's Search for Healing. It's a logotherapy approach to healing through meaning. And I really do suggest that if you want to find meaning in your own healing, that this is a very good book to, to actually get. You can get it at Kosher World, if you want to, at the Chabad bookstore there or the Kolel bookshop. Hello, Deborah. Thanks. <laughs> now tell me a, just a bit about what you do. If what, how does your day unfold? Your work day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, firstly, living in Israel is um, wonderful, and having moved from Johannesburg to Ranana, I'm a 12-minute drive from the sea. So, often I like to start off my day very early with some contemplation. Um, at the beach, walking, praying, meditating. So it's right around the corner, and I feel that's such a beautiful, beautiful privilege that we have that. Absolutely. Um, so I, I, I feel it's very important, um, especially in the work that I do, where I'm working with people who are having life crises, struggles, challenges, traumas, difficulties, illnesses, that it's very important to be able to keep myself um, well-balanced as well. So nurture and nature nurtures me, so um, I, I feel it's very important to, you know, be part of nature. Um, I love to go into forests, so I always try and start my day with uh, filling myself up before I am going to be present for people I'm working with who are going through whatever challenges are in are in their lives. And, and I, I must... think at the core of the work that I do do is is centered around um, logotherapy which is finding meaning in our challenges. And I know that you're, that's a hot topic for you, Sue, so I'm sure we'll have a rich discussion today. Um, you know that I was just thinking as you spoke about the, the sea, I suppose it's Hertzlia that you go down to. 
Um, yes. But there's so many places that you can go and walk, and the parks are so beautiful in Renana. So, yeah. you know, it's what a wonderful way to start your day, that that's what you do. Yeah. Devorah has, you've got four daughters, is that right? Correct. Just Correct. tell me a bit about them and how they <laughs> are doing in Israel. <laughs> Yeah, well, my children are incredible human beings and I think have been my greatest teachers, um, you know, especially the teenage years. Thank goodness we are finished with those. Um, <laughs> but uh, now I'm, I'm incredibly proud of all of my girls. They've all been in the army in various positions. Two of my girls have been in combat situations um, as combat soldiers. And uh, my eldest two girls are uh, live together, actually, which is really heartwarming for me. They live together in Tel Aviv. And uh, my my third daughter is um, studying at university. She's studying sociology, anthropology, and criminology. Wow, so we have lots great. of rich discussions. Mm. And she's about to qualify. And my youngest daughter just signed on an extra year in the army, and um, and and she just felt that she wasn't finished serving yet. So we're very proud of her too. You know, Devora, as you say, serving. I'm just thinking that part of logotherapy and part of our search for meaning is in service. That, you know, how, how do we find our purpose? And it's so often it is in service to others. So I'm very interested in you saying that because obviously, uh, in South Africa, we wouldn't think of, uh, uh, serving as being in our army, for instance. But there's so many different ways of doing so. You know, last last week I had the most amazing experience talk about serving. Um, very good friend of mine, Jenny Prangley, and her partner, um, uh, John Lightfoot, invited Leon, my husband, and I into Alex Alexander Township to go and see this project that they have called, um, uh, just let me think, Sakim uh, Fundo, if, if it's the right one. It's a project. And um, that's how they are serving, is giving back to the community who needs it most. It's it's uplifting their, their, their education. And we were there, and it was actually such a wonderful experience because we were taken around the center, first of all, which is great. And then all these different children put on dances for us, African mm-hmm. dances. And just Wonderful. seeing the excitement in their faces as they were looking at us to see if we were responding. And obviously we were. We were clapping and our feet were tapping. And it was that that sense of connection, which is right. that does come with service, doesn't it? Absolutely. Well, Viktor Frankl speaks about um, the different values and um, meaning in the context of different values. So you touched on the point about finding meaning. And uh, for me, this is the the foundation of all forms of healing is when we can find meaning in the suffering, as Viktor Frankl teaches us, then we can almost overcome or bear what we're going through. And um, he speaks about uh, meaning in the context of values through three different avenues. And those are the creative values, the experiential values, and the attitudinal values. So he says that creative values is what we give to the world. So in our time, in our service, um, and we can speak about these different values, but I'll just say about this is that some people think, well, 
I've got nothing to give. I don't have the money to give or, I, you know, I can't afford. And there, there's a wonderful man at our shul who got up once to speak. And he said he grew up in a home that was poor and they didn't have money to give to tzedakah. But his parents made sure that they knew that if you don't have money to give, you do have time. Mm-hmm. And everyone has time. Mm. So this is what Dr. Frankel speaks about, creative values. Um, uh, um, Creative values are also... It's not so much about the magnitude. Right. Mm -hmm. Creative values are also um, some of our talents sometimes, you know, like the pianists. Yes, and the guitarists, singers. Uh, I was watching a program just yesterday at... Happened to pop up. It was a YouTube of Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. Well, I was smiling along at this. It was just too <laughs> beautiful. It was about how meaningful their relationship had been. And I thought, right. wow, look at that creative values that they have given. We'll get back right. to the other values in a moment. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. And on that note, I can actually say that my daughter in Israel, Shira, loves coming to, when she's in South Africa, she loves going to Diskim. <laughs> As do I. <laughs> I'm, I'm back with Devorah Kerr, and we're on Zoom to Israel, and here we are together. And Devorah was talking about the different ways of finding meaning. Um, Craig, could you just take this off on the center of the computer there? Just hang on a moment, please, everybody. Everyone listening in. Thanks. Okay. Hi, Devorah. Right. We were talking about creative values. Go on to the next lot of values, if you will. So the creative values is what we give of ourselves to the world. Okay. Like that example you mentioned about your friends. They're giving to the world, making the world a better place. That helps them find meaning and can help with their experience of their life. Okay, so the next one is our experiential values. And this is what we take from the world. And what comes in here is the experiences that we have. And I think being human is all about connections. Mm. And I think into this category is about the loving relationships that we're able to build with the people around us and the connections that we have. How meaningful can those be? Can we show up for other people? Um, what are we um, uh, giving and um, what are we taking from those relationships, from the effort that we put in? How do those help us find meaning in our journey as well? But no man is supposed to be an island. And this was also, I think, one of the, one of the ways that um, Dr. Frankel made it through um, his his years in the camps. He found ways. He was a doctor. He had a vocation. And he made sure he wasn't just a prisoner there. Even if he didn't have medication to dispense, he found a way to still give his advice, even to the Nazi guards who he, you mm. know, walked on on um, the morning walk to and from their, their slave labor. So he would also give them advice because that helped him feel like a doctor. And this is what helped him stay in in that role of connecting to his core, his essence, and having meaning in his life. Can I just I go back I, to that yeah. a moment for um, just yeah. talking about experiential values? I hadn't been to shul for a while and for various reasons. And then the last few uh, Shabbos I went, uh, I've been there and I've been to the brocha. And I realized how important it is to actually be with 
the, our community, especially yeah. in times of, of uncertainty. It, to be able to be with a community and to just experience one another. And it is, as Victor Frankl says, experiential values are often free. As, as you said, walking to the beach, walking along in uh, the forest, all of those beautiful yeah. things that we can experience. And I realize yeah. that just going to the brochers at Shul and catching up with people, I came away feeling yeah. fulfilled. Right. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And, um, you know, I, I know that you know this. I had an accident a year and a half ago where I broke my neck. And I was in a situation where um, the people in the community, because I'm part of a community, wanted to know what could they do, how can they do. And initially my husband says everything's sorted. You know, he's the chef in the house. <laughs> he's the chef and uh, and we have an in-house uh, awesome catering all the time. And, and um, beautiful biltong, I believe. Yeah, yeah. delicious <laughs> biltong. And, um, and he said, no, it's not necessary. And I said to him, you know, part of being in a community is being able, when people need help, being able to not only um, uh, receive the food, but also for the giver, mm. it gives meaning as well. Definitely. So I, I wrote back to them and I said, we actually would like some meals, please, because what it does is it allows people to feel they're helping you with your pain. Mm. And I realized that that is very, very important because all, oftentimes when I'm working with women, it is about how they have to do and they have to do and they have to get it done and done by themselves and more and more and more. And actually getting help is helpful. Mm. Like why would we be on that mindset of I have to do it myself? When we create um, a giving and a receiving of um, love and um chores or helping with someone, that, that also builds meaning in our life. And that's, I think, what uh, Dr. Frankel was speaking about there with forming connections and bonds and maybe even transitioning from COVID, like where we were locked up in our own homes, some of us alone, some with our families. It was a very trying time. And uh, it's almost like an awkwardness of going back to being with people. Mm. We have to retransition back into that. And your experience at, at the, the Kiddush, at the show was 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 showed you how how we are people who are meant to be connected. Yeah. We thrive on relationships and um and it's important for our well being, our internal well being. Definitely, it yeah. really is. Yeah. And just tell me with your your own the patients who come to visit you, how do yeah. you get them to act to perhaps reach out more or be out more because I do find that so often when people are, are ill, they close in on themselves they, and right. they, they close the world out. It's right. Sometimes it's too painful. I was listening to a YouTube with um, – uh, uh, he committed suicide. I can't even think of his name right now. Wonderful uh, – he was a wonderful actor. And, and he was saying, Robin Williams. Yeah, Robin Williams. That's exactly yeah. it. And he yeah. was saying that there were times in his life when he wanted to close in. And there were other times yeah. when he realized that if he could go into acting and, and do whatever he did in his acting career, he could touch lives. And that gave right. his meaning and him pur yes. a purpose to go on. 
Absolutely. So that would be more the experiential values and the creative values. Mm, mm. The, the other one that I would address with people is attitudinal values, which is the last of the values that, that he, that um, Dr. Frankel brings. And, um, and he says about this, he said, it's the stand one takes to any type of predicament um, in case he must face a fate which he cannot change. Mm, mm. So what, Frankl is saying, and this is often the case of people who come to see me, there is a situation beyond their control, say an illness or a, some kind of difficulty or challenge that they can't change. Say COVID was something we couldn't change. Mm-hmm. It is not about knocking our head against the wall about what we can't change. Frankl is saying that we all have within that ability of what we can't change an attitude that we can show up and still feel in control. And there's this beautiful story that's coming to mind right now of these two men who were in um, some type of sadistic prison where every day they were taken to an an open um, sand yard and told to push this large boulder from one corner to the other corner. It was absolute meaningless work meant to break them down, right? And they decided that if this is what they were going to be doing each day, they made a pact between themselves that they would watch the ground as they pushed this large boulder and make sure that they don't squash any insects on the way. Isn't that beautiful? So I found this story so powerful because they had no choice. That rock needed to be pushed from from end to end. It had absolutely no value or no meaning for them, but they found a way. And this is where I love working with people in the, in the finding the way where the, this life can feel so desperate and hopeless, but there is still the choice that you can make around how to look at that, you know, giving I, a smile absolutely. or kindness. Or just reaching out a hand to someone else, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we certainly in this country, we have so many opportunities to do that wherever we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think logotherapy, one of the main things about logotherapy is that it is a resilience therapy. It yeah. says we can go on. No matter how difficult life might be, we have within yeah. us our core, our spiritual core, our neuritic part of us that yes. helps us find meaning yes. and move forward. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. And I think since I've studied somatic experiencing and now, which is actually since the book came out, I've studied as well IFS, which is internal family systems. Oh, yeah. These are all beautiful approaches to dealing with trauma in in the body. And I think where, where I've even been able to like evolve past logotherapy in my work with myself, I'm always first and foremost working on myself mm-hmm. and then with my clients as well is um, when difficulty or challenges or, let's say, fears come up, you know, maybe my approach years ago used to be, um, oh, let me get the right attitude and put a smile on my face and everything will be fine. But I think how it's evolved now is um, when those fears arise, to almost look at that part of us which is feeling so scared and to be able to hold it, see it, listen to what its fears are about before, like pushing it away, like you've got no place here in my mm. in my home, in my body. You can't live in my, my home, but it's already there living. So if we squash it down into the basement, it's going to try and get out. 
you know. So I feel a, a more a, a more uh, real approach is yes, we we have the choice and the freedom to choose our attitude. But what comes along with that, and I'm finding more healing happens in the system when we are able to address those things which are challenging for us, like fears and anxieties, when we say, of course you're there, it makes sense that you're coming up right now, and tell me about it. As if we speak to to that part of us which is hurting or scared or vulnerable, and we feel that. And when my when my neck was broken, I really, um, when I heard the diagnosis from the doctor, it was very scary because uh, she said to me just a few words. She said, I had this terrible accident. I fell on my head. And uh, if, if people are interested in hearing more about that, it's a, it's a whole chapter in my book. Um, and she just came up to me, the doctor, and she said, I thought I had a brain bleed because I'd fallen on my head. And I was petrified about that. And uh, she came to me and she said, um, you're very lucky you didn't die. Um, you're lucky you're not paralyzed. Your neck is broken and don't move. And that's what she said to me. And that is petrifying. It was petrifying Absolutely. to hear that. And the first thing I remember, remember thinking to myself, which just, you know, uh, many years I've been cultivating and growing these um, tools and skills, is um, I thought to myself, you know what? Whatever is going to be, I'm going to be okay. I don't know what okay is, but I will be okay. I have the skills to get through this, and um, and one day I'm going to speak about it and inspire others who've been through difficulties. So uh, and that was my my first response. But uh, as the days progressed, and I was like trapped in this neck brace from my my you know my chin down down to my my collarbones, mm. and then I couldn't move at all. My head. It was petrifying. Also, they say, you know, I was very lucky, very blessed. Um, I feel I was caught by Hashem's hands that more damage wasn't done. Um, but uh, the slightest of movement could have caused further, you know, a, a, a deeper fracture in my C2. And that could have affected my spinal cord. So I was petrified. Mm. And when that fear came up, I didn't say, oh, please, there's no place for fear right now. We're healing. I didn't do that. I would hold that fear and say, of course I'm scared, and it's reasonable that this fear is here, and that helped me to heal. When the fears felt addressed, mm-hmm. and they felt loved and cared for, then and I listened to them, they felt witnessed, and then they could settle down. And I feel this is a wonderful way to work with people. Absolutely, and I think also to recognize, you know, in listening and in reading your story, um, that, that you know how you eventually came to an acceptance that this is part of what you had to go through to in yeah. order to move on, and even how in um, in COVID time in in lockdown you managed to finish your book, which yeah. was fantastic. But I think yeah. I've I've often worked with people who have been very very angry, and when they process that anger, a lot of that anger. Is actually disguise, uh, anger disguises fear. So right. fear in us can project outwardly as anger and damage yourself and other people around you until you address that fear. And I think we're living in a world where our children are exposed to fearful situations. We are as well. Wherever we are, you can't run from it, definitely. Yeah, and I live in Israel. Absolutely, <laughs> and we, I live in South Africa, and yeah, you know, absolutely. even 
this latest submarine uh, that went missing, uh, the one going yeah. down to the Titanic, I couldn't get over what my grandchildren knew about it. Why? Because it was all over the news all the time. Yeah. They knew how many hours of oxygen there was left. How, you know, which, yeah. and I actually found it rather distasteful that the news media were feeding this oxygen level going on and on. And it wasn't anything that people, you know, it was only fear. It was fear driven all the time. Right. And I thought, where, where can us, we who are listening, where can we find comfort? And something that Rabbi uh, Jonathan Sachs said was, um, was actually great. He said, faith is the courage to live within uncertainty. Yes. Do you agree? Turning to faith. Well, mm. for me, my faith really is, is at the core of everything. That um, there has to be a reason for this. Um, this is here as an invitation for me. When I look at all difficulties that I have been through, that I go through, something is asked from me. And actually, it's um, Dr. Frankel has an incredible, incredible, when I heard this quote, I was like, wow, I love logotherapy, where he says, it doesn't matter what we expected from life that was important, but rather what life expected from me. Absolutely. So um, I, I feel that, yes, fear plays this huge, huge role, but when, when I connect to faith, and that's something that you're bringing in now, I don't feel alone. And I think um, uh, um, oftentimes people feel very alone and lonely in their situations. And um, Frankel also speaks about faith. Um, he doesn't base logotherapy on faith, finding meaning one doesn't have to have faith. But um, he does say for people of faith and with faith that there is uh, maybe a deeper comfort or a quicker way to comfort. So for me, my faith has always been something that has deeply nurtured um, my ability to overcome difficulties and challenges, knowing that this is not punitive, this is not a punishment, this is an, a gift and an opportunity to explore what now. You know, I always say to my clients, you know, this is in your life right now. We don't understand why, but we 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 will work on the attitudes and empowering you to find what now. You know, we don't want. I've, I've actually over the last uh, year and a bit worked with a woman who has had. Uh, uh, cancer three times she's come to me now with the third batch and um, in the first two she was just uh, plodding ahead pushing through getting through treatments and she said I just you know recovered and then got it again and this time now we have been exploring fears anger resentments um, things that have sat in her body for years and years and years and we've been working we've been doing the hard work around um, around what's gone on in her life. And she says for the first time ever, she's in the best place she's ever been and she's responding beautifully to the treatments that are happening now because it is about something lands in the body and she's been able to work with that and address that and release and discharge and let go of so many um, aggravations and grievances and grudges and faribles and everything from the past which has actually sat as she would start off saying eating away at her and that's not what she wants anymore this is finding human with sue jackson only on 101.9 high fm 
Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program, and my guest today is Devorah Kerr in Israel, and we are talking about the various ways that uh, logotherapy can help and actually how to find our meaning in life, even if it's not through logotherapy. You can SMS us, and we'd love to hear from you, on 34519, or you can call on 0101 40 30 20. Hi, Deborah. I'm back with you again. And I was just thinking about faith and what faith means to different people. Someone said to me the other day that faith to them was not faith in a particular, uh, in, in a particular being or God or whatever you want to call it. To them, faith was in nature, in the spirituality of the world. Of, of what is here. And sometimes also faith is in ourselves, in our own recognition that we have the ability to reach beyond what is happening, to reach really deep into our core and say, I can live in this pain. I can get through it. And I love what Viktor Frankl said about the tragic optimism, which is the belief you can still maintain a happy, contented and hopeful life in the midst of tragedy. And that rather, no, rather than running away from it, uh, yeah. we can actually look deeper into it, as you said, with your neck and in your book. Yeah. You often say in your book, you have to sometimes look deeper into the experience to gain a better understanding. Right, right. And I think these um, these opportunities, I like to look at everything as an opportunity. You know, my, my kids also always say to me, Mom, can't you just watch the movie? Why does it have to be a load of therapy <laughs> message everywhere? Right? So, but that's just how I'm wired. So I'm always looking for meaning, even in other people's struggles. You know, how did they get through that? What, what did they have? And I'm inspired by these stories. And, um, you know, when Frankel says, like, we might not be able to change the situation, but we can always change how we show up to it. You know, um, uh, you know, maybe raining outside and there's nothing we can do about that. But if I take a raincoat or an umbrella, I'll be okay. So Absolutely. I feel when, when we know that there is an empowering, um, uh, quality that comes over us or an attitude to be able to face um, uh, what's uh, what's happening in our lives. And there is this quote, and I've, I've actually had best to find who the first person who said it was, but it's something like it's it's um, life doesn't happen um, uh, to you, it happens for you. And I think that's quite a logotherapy approach to that it's not like all this has happened to me. And when people do live in that space, that, that is unfortunately – you know, a victim of the circumstances. Mm, why me? And Dr. Frankel really spoke about changing that to this has happened in my life. It's happened for me. Maybe to, um, to show me something about myself I would never have known. And, um, and actually recently a client I was working with, um, had a daughter with a severe heart, uh, heart, heart problems. She was totally helpless, couldn't help her child, could not even go in the helicopter with the child to another hospital, um, mm. and, uh, felt absolutely helpless. But afterwards, she, she said what she took out of this whole thing was she knew her daughter had resilience of her own. And she would never have known that before. So we look to what, what can we get out of this? We can't change the heart condition. 
but what else can we look at? Mm. How can we empower you to get through this challenging and difficult time? You know, what was difficult for you? And, and by looking at that and seeing where you do still have choices, where you do have, um, a, a way to change or look at things, then, um, then there is hope in the situation. Absolutely. You know, something uh, that David Kessler, the uh, gr- uh, grief therapist said, he worked with Kubler-Ross. And he yes. said there's five stages of uh, loss. He believes there's also a sixth stage, and that sixth stage is actually growing around the loss and finding the meaning in it. Right. How have you and, changed? What yeah. have you brought into your life? Yes. What did people yeah. bring into your life in this loss? And yes. looking at it from a meaning perspective as well. And he had his own unbelievable experiences of grief. And it wasn't until he started questioning what was the meaning for himself that he could right. actually move beyond the grief. Yeah. And I think, there, I mean, there is a, a very uh, well-known uh, concept of post-traumatic growth. Um, mm-hmm. And I speak about it in a whole chapter in my book. But to go back to this client that I'm working with, with who's having cancer the third time round, she feels for the first time there is growth through her cancer. Mm. And it's not the growth of a tumor, but it's a, the, the shrinkage of a tumor, but the growth of, of her being through addressing her life's challenges. So she's like, this time I'm doing it right. Like mm. this time, it has not come for no reason. Before it was just something I had to get rid of. But now it's come as an opportunity. It knocked on my door. It was an unwelcome guest, but I have made it welcome. I have lived with it. And it's now is come for whatever reason it was brought into my life. Like she has worked around it that it's, it's almost like as um, Dr. Bernie Siegel says, he says, when we change our address, the illness is in the wrong place. Mm. So when we change intrinsically who we are, then the illness is in the wrong place. And um, I, I love to work with people in that way. Like, what can we do? We we know we can't change this. We You can't change. You have to go and have this treatment done. That can't be changed. Or this operation. Or this has been removed. Or that has happened. Right? And it was the same with my neck. I couldn't change that fact. It was a three months in this this um this brace and sometimes it felt to me like it was a cage mm. and sometimes it felt to me like it was God's hands. Mm. You know, it was depended on how I and I made space for both of those. And I think that is what contributed um also to my, my healing and my healing without um PTSD after mm. after mm. The, the trauma traumatic fall. I have been very honored to work with many people at the last stages of their lives and have learned so much from them about where they have found meaning, knowing that they are coming towards the end of their life, not knowing the exact date, obviously, but knowing that they've tried every other avenue to live physically and then the final stage, which um, David Kessler says, is that finding meaning with within it and the purpose yeah. of it. And instead of saying, why me, which is so often at the beginning of an Ill- illness, towards the end, I have seen again and again people reaching out to others to try and give them a reason for their for the reason right. why they are dying and having to leave the others behind. And yeah. I have always been incredibly touched by that. 
and it's such a privilege to be in that space to to witness that mm. you know then when we see the courage to be to be exploring those ideas and those meaning and helping someone to find that i feel it's such a privilege to do it's it's holy work it is um and i'm just thinking now of this book i read recently by lisa genova she's a um She's a neurologist and she writes about all different sorts of um, uh, neurological conditions. And the one she writes on Huntington's disease, where you will die from it. And if you have the gene, you will 100% get it. So she speaks about this character who he's on the police force and he's has Huntington's disease and then he gives up on life. We're going to get back to that in a moment. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back with Devorah Kerr. And a message has come through before we get back to what you were talking about, uh, Devorah, and it's from Sam Rom, and it says, Hi, Sue, I have a very wise friend. I have autoimmune and had a tumor at T3, losing function from T3 downwards. I always did everything for everyone. She said I was being so selfish because I was preventing others for by, by for doing mitzvot by helping me. This changed my whole way of thinking. I've been so blessed with the people around me, Sam. Thank you, wow. Sam. That really does say it all about how sometimes we have to allow ourselves letting others in. And it's healing for yes. both. Uh, there's also a message here from Heather Frampton. Morning. Heard you on Chai this morning. Sending hugs. Community is so very important. You're absolutely right, Heather. And you especially are fantastic in the community. Okay, we're back to you. You were talking about your the, someone you were you were chatting to yes. with Huntington's so, disease. Yes, yeah, so it's a book a book I was reading by mm. Lisa Genova about Huntington's disease. So this this cop, he's on the police force. He gets Huntington's, and soon he has to stop working. He loses his so he loses his career. He loses his. Uh, you know, he knows he is going to die from this disease, and he actually loses his uh, will to live. And um, and he gives up. He drinks all day long, and he's just he gets angry, and he's he's in um, a very very hard place. And his daughter says to him, "You know, Dad, um, what you what you have always given us is the the strong will to live, and you've taught us how to live um, in service and um, in in a good and a good and strong life." And she says, "And that unfortunately is not available to you anymore." But what is available to you is to teach us how to die with dignity, and you're not doing that. Huh. And he catches a wake-up call from this this statement that she says, and he realizes that, yes, the plan that he had had in his life was to live a life of an example, and that was going to be taken away. But now he actually can teach how to die with dignity. Wow. And this changed everything for him. And I'm not saying – I know it's a quick one minute, you know, message I'm giving across and it's a massive, massive how to do that. Um, but I, I found that incredibly empowering of, um, when life throws us these curveballs, how the plan and the trajectory we thought we were on is now changed. Absolutely. That doesn't mean that we don't still have choices. And um, he was empowered then at the end of his life to teach his family one last lesson. Wow. And um, and I, I found that so logotherapy-driven. 
Absolutely. How beautiful. It reminds me of that book, Mori, uh, um, um, Tuesdays with Mori. Tuesdays with me. Yes. yes, absolutely. How absolutely. beautiful. You know, I yeah. don't think our, our program would be complete if we didn't mention happiness. Sometimes happiness, people think you, it's your right to, to be happy. But Frankel said, of course, that happiness cannot be pursued. It has, must ensue. And that life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by lack of meaning and purpose. The pessimist right. re- resembles a man who observes with fear and sadness that his war calendar from which he daily tears a sheet grows thinner with each passing day. Huh. And, uh, you know, I think that quote of his is, is absolutely amazing. You know, to, to change, I, I do find life seems to be going past very, very quickly. I think the older you get, the quicker it seems to move. And yeah. I suppose, you know, I could tick off each day with sadness, but, and fear and wonder what the next day is coming, happening. But as he says, you know, uh, happiness has to be pursued. I mean, has to ensue. We can't just chase it. It doesn't just arrive. Uh, Oscar no. Wilde said something very funny about it. He said, uh, and I'm just trying to find it. I will find it in a moment. Tell me what you think about happiness. Yeah, so it's, it's reminding me also of a story of, from Frankel when um, one, one night um, after a long day of grueling work, some, one of the prisoners came and called everyone outside, come quickly outside, quickly, quickly. And they all like stumbled outside with the little energy that they had. And there was a beautiful sunset and how they looked out at the sunset appreciating and they said how beautiful the world could be, mm-hmm. that they, they really thought, there's nothing they can do about where they are right now, but right right now there is something of beauty that connected together as you know a small community to just appreciate that and feel in that moment you know that there is hope. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. And on that note, we're going to have to end. Thank you so much, Devora, for being on our program. Just please, just tell me your um, details quickly for people who want yes. to get hold of you. Wonderful. So my um, website is DK, my initials, wellness, dkwellness.co.il. And my book is available on Amazon and at um, uh, Kosher World Chabad House and at Kolel Bookshop. And it's called Man's Search for Healing. And I would definitely suggest that you go and get it. And if you want to know more about logotherapy, go onto the website vfisa.co.za. Craig is telling me to wrap up. Thank you again, Devora. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. And thank you so much, Craig, Wussi, and Makundi.